0: mm Welcome to Wonderland, listeners. So I got <laughs> something very special for you guys today. I have, of course, Mick Strom with me as always. And That's me? the guy that introduced me to Jason Voorhees and then quickly killed him off, Adam Marcus. Hello! Hello. This is something that you guys aren't ready for, and if we let them run, it'd probably be a four-hour podcast, so. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possible. <laughs> Quite possible. <laughs> so Mick and Adam are probably the two closest guys that I know that have worked in film. They are hugely inspirational to me, and they keep me going. I mean, I'm currently working for Adam on the Hearts of Darkness documentary, and it's Woo-hoo! absolutely tremendous. And Mick and I are working on his audiobook. We got some Dang. crazy stuff going on, but uh, that's right behind the screams. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: both of them have done a Friday the 13th film. Both of them have done a Texas Chainsaw film and both of them kind of fucked with Freddie a little bit. So, Adam, <laughs> Mick, let's get this started. Let's talk some Chainsaw. Oh, damn Skippy!
1: Okay. So, um, so, so you did the, uh, 3D one. That's nice. Yeah, I did. I did Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I will only take so much, uh, uh, credit for it because, um, you know, uh, it was supposed to be attached to the original film, which we were thrilled about. That was sort of our idea was that we wanted to do the beginning. We wanted the beginning of the movie to be the end of the original Texas Chainsaw. Right. And, And they turned that footage 3D, which was so exciting. And we were totally into it. And my, my response to it was, look, what better way to start the movie than have Sally, who escapes at the end of the film, have her get, get to the cop and then the cops come back as they would. Right. And and so that's where the film started. Well, there's a baby stolen in that first scene and that baby grows up. And when she's in college, she goes back to the town. And so that would put the movie at nineteen at, at 1993. Uh, when you see the movie, suddenly there's a cop and there's a scene with a smartphone in 1993. <laughs> oh and the amount of shit talk that I got, oh, I mean, let's put it this way, it was nowhere near the amount of shit talk I got for the name Voorhees being misspelled on a fucking mailbox. <laughs> Cause Lord knows that's a much bigger tragedy in the world. But and by the way, and by the way, I, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but every director is responsible for the set, for the for the spelling on all signage in every oh, yeah, movie. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's actually
1: true. That that's, I, that's true. That's true. Right. Late uh, at
2: night. It's in our contract. It's part of the DGA late at night. We have to stay behind and we have right. to hand paint every letter on every okay. piece of signage oh, in yeah. a movie. It's very important. Okay
1: listen i did I, I did a film as production designer i did a film where we got the neon back for a college bookstore uh, of and this film was um <laughs> nerds nerds three right sure Just, Classic. Okay. <laughs> nerds! nerds three and they and we we had a uh, college uh a uh, college bookstore done in neon and they spelled it wrong it was collage <laughs> Oh, that's, and you know what? And and the thing is, is when it came back there, I went, I'll accept that. Yeah. That's yeah, Come on. Right. I think that's better. Here's the, and here's the great thing about it is the director was such an idiot. I mean, he was so bad that he, that he, he really dug in on that. And so what we did was we just put tape on the, on the college books, by the way, which was, there was like a frame. Possibly two frames that showed up on screen. Right. But if you look at them, you will see us cross out with an E done in tape over. Here's here's
2: what I love. I love I love somebody is directing, uh, you know, Revenge of the Nerds three back to the noogie right Um, and 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 they and they are and they are behaving as though they're david fucking fincher i love that i actually i
1: actually love that guy like Uh, oh we were we were like unbelievable he was so bad he was so bad he would come to a set he 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 had no sense of blocking and and here's what he had done before he was professional doing trailers right (laughs) Awesome. yeah you know, he did the first yep. the, the first 30 seconds of every film they were his. That was his territory, right 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 and 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 so with it, <laughs> everything that you would think of that that person would be was exactly what he was. He was incredibly anal, but he was also kind of dumb. um so he would take <laughs> he would take working in a three-dimensional uh, world, he would take it and he would push everything over to the edge. Of, of so that everything was in a line so that he understood it which was which is exactly what you do on a title right right and, and then he would just have people act in front of the camera he wouldn't move the camera or anything like that so um it, i'm considering it one of my opuses um as a production designer <laughs> well sure how could you not uh well you know you know it, we are what we so, are so the guy so
2: the guy guy so did he have a lot of actors like turn their faces into camera dramatically because that seems to be sort of the thing (laughs) with trailers as long as everybody keeps turning their heads towards the camera you've got lots of cut points
1: it's true (laughs) Uh, yeah but look at the people that you were filming um uh, robert carradine um thomas Pynchon, um uh curtis hansen curtis hansen not curtis hansen that that that, that Armstrong whole Armstrong. Curtis Armstrong right, Armstrong, right? That that whole bunch. Um yeah. But I have to say, you know, out of the whole bunch, David Car- uh uh, the, Robert Carradine, was a kick because he absolutely took nothing seriously. Right. And, th- and this guy drove around in a nineteen, uh, a nineteen like seventy four, uh, police cruiser special that That's he awesome. had that that he had painted like you know this bright purple. And, um, and we'd go, and I sort of got, I used to ride with, he'd go, Hey, Mick, you want to take a ride?
2: <laughs> so good. And he just That's grabbed so me off.
1: He would just grab me off the set and we'd go fucking out in the hills. Right. And he'd, he'd go out crashing this car, you know, see if he could get it on all these dirt roads back up in the, and he knew, and the great thing is, is this, he was such a product of Hollywood and, and Los Angeles that he knew all the dirt roads, you know, oh, sure, sure. And, 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 you know, like and so the next thing, you know, we would be, uh, <laughs> we'd be like only like somehow or other, we'd only still be 12 blocks away from filming. <laughs>
3: right?
1: <laughs> right. And he would be able to find, uh, either a dirt road or the LA river for us to like, just like go, Screaming down the LA River <laughs> <at> like <laughs> 120 miles an hour. <laughs> I'd love I'd love
2: to go back to a time in LA when the only people that lived here were the Carradines and the fondas. Right. That's <laughs> all that was here. That's exactly. it. Exactly.
1: Exactly. One of them would have been in that car and the other one would have been on his totally. motorcycle. Right. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's,
0: that's it. That's the only people in LA. <laughs> so, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to steer the conversation a little bit. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah. I'm gonna say two words. You think you're going to steer this? You oh, think you're going to. Oh, sorry. I know both of you guys very well. I'm going to steer this thing right into hell. Uh, okay. The hidden.
1: Yes, what you stole. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> Holy I'm shit. so glad that you brought that up.
2: Oh, I am too, TJ. Thanks so much. Buddy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it makes
2: good
1: content. Okay, You're the best. Here's what I get. Oh, wait a like a, oh yeah. yeah. I was surprised because the similarities were so subtle. I'm surprised that TJ caught it. Well,
2: okay. Ready? 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 Wait. Ready to have your mind blown? Okay. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Go. The writers, yeah, the director uh-huh. and the producer, Sean Cunningham, all the three, the three people we're talking about, yeah. Uh, had never seen the fucking movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you so, saw it.
2: You saw it in your minds <laughs> when the, when and wait, wait. And here and I'm going to take it even one level more crazy for you. Okay. So we so none of us had seen the movie. When I went in for my director's test at New Line, I'm not kidding you. And when I say a director's (laughs) test, I mean, I had an oral quiz at New Line, not the kind of Harvey Weinstein oral quiz, but an oral (laughs) quiz at New Line.
1: Um, Not an oral quiz, but an oral quiz.
2: No, 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 no. Um, But but here's the thing. Uh, I had to sit in a room, I'm not kidding, with Bob Shea and Sean Cunningham, and Bob Shea gave me a horror quiz. I'm not joking. No. Yes. And one of the one of the questions on the quiz was what I felt about about uh, uh, Jack Shoulders first movie, which was which was Bob Shay's first movie as a producer. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, And I uh, nailed it. Nailed it. Alone in the Dark. Yes, alone in the dark. Me.
1: Right, You're alone in the dark. Yeah,
2: I na- I nailed I nailed it. <laughs> I I even I even one upped it in front of Bob. He was blown away. So I had a Jack Shoulder question on my quiz, by the way. And at this point, Bob Shea had read the script. He never brought up the hidden. He literally <laughs> landed. Jack Shoulder was part of my my entrance into New Line. No one ever said the hidden. Literally in in two years
1: of pre-production to production, okay. not one word. Can I not ask? A word. Can I ask you a question? Sure. It hasn't come up since. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Jesus
2: Christ. I am telling you. Wait, by the way, I gotta tell you, the nicest thing is that I guess um, so Edwin Samuelson, who's directing the documentary of 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 uh, of Jason Goes to Hell. Edwin interviewed Jack Shoulder, had a long, did a long uh, videotaping with him. Right. And we're actually using a clip, we're using a clip of this. Yes. Because Jack <laughs> had never seen Jason Goes to Hell. Oh. So Jack, Edwin had Jack has him his way of it.
1: being so oblivious to so much stuff. <laughs> right, okay, but by
2: the way, by the way, once again, I had never fucking seen the hit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, wait. So, so they show. So, they sh- so Edwin showed him Jason knows hell. And Jack, who is such a fucking gentleman, such a good guy, he 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 watched it, he giggled and went, Well, I guess he can call it an homage. <laughs> i love i love that the, mo- the movie i supposedly ripped off right the yeah. guy who made the guy who made the movie didn't even say it was rip off he went it's an homage." it's an homage. i'm like jack i fucking love you dude i love you so i made i made an homage to the hidden a movie i had never seen before i shot that movie Fuck so me. that's that there it is there's the facts
1: i love it i, I uh, uh I, I love the fact that you also had like a the problem of of when (laughs) when you threw it away it was a little thing right when -hmm. when it separated out you know it as a creature it was a small thing right yes Uh, yes (laughs) which which you know it's always tricky as a director Mm -hmm, trying mm -hmm. to make people scared of something that's the you know half the size that's the size of a cat that's the right. size of a cat, right? Yes. But, but we had the same problem on the hidden, which we thought that we had fixed. Didn't turn out to be that way. <laughs> right. Right. Catch the final, the final, have you seen the hidden since? Uh, yeah, yes. Of course <laughs> yes. I have. Of course. Well, in the end, you know, when it's up against the, uh, the curtain and it yeah. re- rears its, its little tiny head. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that's a tough scene because virtually anybody in the uh, in the audience of that, you know, uh, auditorium right then mm-hmm. could have could have accidentally stepped on it.
3: <laughs> <try, trying, trying
1: to get away from it. Right. And, <laughs> and this was a problem. So what we had conceived of is that we were going to do um we, we were gonna have a blue screen segment right there where it was up against that right? And as right. he shoots the, as he shoots the uh, flame thrower right And by the way, I how much how great was that foreshadowing <laughs> with the flamethrower So he's standing there with the flamethrower and and what we were gonna do is we were gonna gr- suddenly just grow the creature, right? Right, because he's out and and he grows sure. big, but sure. the problem was is when we drew, when we drew, we sat down and we were like coming up with ideas at a table, and and somebody drew the creature, as and and the makeup effects guys and the optical guys were supposed to get together to make it grow. Uh huh. But the optical guys. <laughs> And and I have no respect for anybody that works in opticals at all. They're they, <laughs> they, they, they are horrible people. They always think that they're the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. And they're so yeah. rarely, and they're so rarely the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> so true. So and true. and and so they thought that, well, it look at the size of it, it, it has to come out of that guy's mouth, right? Well. We, we were just trying to fix the fact that we wanted it really big and scary. So when we ordered, we ordered, they said, well, we should have curtains. And I go, well, we'll get curtains. And then you can screen that curtain in. You can take photograph it and then screen it in, you know, and put a the creature on a blue screen. Mm-hmm. Or actually, it had to be a green screen, right? Right, right. And, and so... So we put it in, we we put it in, we put it in the film, and and the optic guy goes, well, just just put the creature in front of it, you know, for for, and and then they filmed it, and then the camera broke. <laughs> now it was a very high speed camera, and it was very finicky, and they were very finicky in those days. Those ultra- yes, they were. Oh man, they were a nightmare, and and the thing is, is if if they just if they just hit one cog wrong, right? of the film, mm-hmm. then they would just shred the rest of it. And they, and literally, if you've ever seen one shred, it, it's, it's a sight to behold. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> they, just,
1: they just start throwing film out of places that shouldn't have film coming out of them in little screamers like, Oh, it's hilarious. But, um, so camera blows up, everybody goes home and <laughs> it sort of reminds me of that, of that scene in spinal tap. You know where the the little tiny oh uh, oh Stonehenge, right? Stonehenge, right? <laughs> it's awesome. It's so awesome. I always say I always say to people that that the hidden was was uh uh our Stonehenge, yes, because because we wound up killing this little tiny tiny thing because the camera wasn't working that day and <laughs> the only slow motion that we could get of it was that piece and it was the. Test piece before we were actually going to do what the fuck we were supposed to. <laughs> you know what though? I got to tell you, I, I'm I, I have a
2: real I, I have a real soft spot for that movie, even though oh, it it, it is, is it it is beaten the shit out of me over the years. It is, um, it is as the is movie sweet, I ripped off that i would never it's seen. A,
0: it's, a,
1: it's a very <laughs> it's an incri- it's an incredibly sweet film in its own way. You yes, know? it is.
2: Yes, it is. And by the way, why is nobody beating the shit out of Quentin Tarantino for the flamethrower rip off from it?
1: Well, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I'm just gonna throw throw that out there. I think. How do you you know they don't? What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're at the center of this controversy in your world. How do you? I really am. How how do you know that he? He doesn't oh, go home at night. No his oh, oh, his really? wife goes, okay, wait, 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 wait. hey, oh, hey, hey wait. How do you know he he doesn't go home <sighs> at night? And his wife goes, oh, so how's Mr. Flamethrower from The <laughs> Hidden doing?
2: Yeah, trust me. Trust me. Nice thing. saying that's a question. Nobody's saying it. Quentin Quentin has literally made an entire career of ripping off every other filmmaker, and no one ever says boo. I misspell a fucking mailbox and supposedly rip off a movie I have never seen, and it is literally the bane of my existence. Well,
1: you know, you know what you should you should learn this word, homage. (laughs) Homage, exactly. Well, no, you know what's so wait here's what's so crazy, and
2: you guys know this. That movie has a hundred homages in it that are, that are absolutely intentional. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tons of shit in that movie that that, that's nods to what came before. I'm not, I wasn't some douchey 23 year old moron. Well, I was, but I'm not, I mean, it was not that, (laughs) that I wasn't that kind of moron. I was like, I was a guy who loved these movies who adored all of this. So it's why, you know the evil that is in there and creep show and and freddy at the end that's all that all came out of my head in a in a respectful manner of saying i love this genre i'm embracing it so when people are like oh fucking hidden listen if i intentionally did it i would have been the first one to be like fuck yeah, the hidden i love the hidden. Uh,
1: well uh, let's put it this way uh you know how when you're going down the freeway and and uh you're doing 80 in the fast lane and yeah. some guy goes past you at 90 and then another guy goes past you at 100 and then yep. some and then you go wow yeah i better slow down and then you slow down you're five miles above the speed limit and you get pulled over right yes and you go you, that asshole with who was doing
2: 100 he's just, he's yeah. he's eight miles from here right now
1: you know what happened adam you got yeah. pulled over <laughs>
2: Yeah, no shit, no shit. I did. It's so true. It's so true.
0: Okay.
1: Ain't no ride for me.
0: unreal man. <laughs> so Mick.
1: okay, well, so Bowser's got to move us off of this onto something. Yes, else. yes.
0: <laughs> okay, Mick, what's your favorite special effect in Jason Goes to Hell?
1: Ooh. Oh, the, you know what? It's kind of a subtle one. Okay. It's oh good. Well, it's it not 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 hyper subtle, but it, it's just the way that it the way that it finished up was really nice is she gets gouged in the very beginning the very first kill right mm-hmm. she that the the thing goes through her right but but then it does like that the extra special um, th- the big twist was it then rips all the way through and up through her head right see now now that's quality <laughs> <laughs> That's quality gouging right there is is when you go you go in and you don't just settle for that you know no oh, no 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 i'm I'm not settling for that shit no nope. i'm I'm ripping this motherfucker all the way up and I want I want two pieces falling on mm-hmm. either side of her body as yep. it goes and 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 I went bravo, slow clap. <laughs>
0: You know, I actually got a story about the, the dummy from that. When Adam and I started the Jason Goes to Hell group, somebody posted a picture of the of a screen used dummy. Yeah, it got flagged on Facebook. Flagged it because they thought it was a crime scene photo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. it's incredible. Uh, it well, is
2: incredible. By the way, I got a I got a story for you on that on that same body. Okay. Okay. So uh, we we had to build two Michelle Clooney's for that sequence. Right. And the building of of the the building of the thing is hilarious. But I'm going to cover that in the documentary. But uh, so when we had these two bodies, Um, At the end of the shoot, you know, Bob gave me a ton of the the effects and was like, look, it's just going to clutter up K&B. Do you want any of this stuff? I was like, sure, I'll take a few of the things. Sure, that sounds great. So then he wheels out the two naked Michelle Clooney's, one with, you know, the spike (laughs) through the middle, the other one completely torn in half. They're propped up and they're they're on their knees. Right. And he goes, he goes, you want these? I'm like, to do what with Bob? (laughs) He goes, he goes, dude, I could turn these into awesome stereo speakers for you. (laughs) And at the time I was single and I'm like, Bob, I will never date again. (laughs) Imagine, imagine I'm on a date. Things are going great with the girl. I'm on the third date. I take her back to my apartment. We're going to get busy. She walks in and she sees two naked Decimated Michelle Cooney's as stereo speakers in my apartment.
1: You know I what? Said, yeah, that's you know, gonna be a magical night. I was gonna say even Al Green couldn't fix that. Seriously, man, I don't care what's coming <laughs> through those speakers.
2: <laughs> and by the way, and by the way, I'm more terrified. Yeah, and if by she the way,
1: stays. we <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Well, it's a great test. You know, it. it, oh, it oh, it's so it's,
2: bad, but. Uh, but I do, I do to this day, I still have uh, Rusty Schwimmer's, uh, her entire upper torso and face uh, that yeah. gets, that gets punched in. Yes. And right. what's amazing, <laughs> the, the hair work is incredible. Ron Pipes did the hair work and it's unbelievable. And uh, so it, the thing is, I would never face it towards our door. It used to be in our living room. and I, I, I wouldn't face towards the door because, you know, no one wants to walk in and see this poor woman's face punched into her, in, into her head. So I would turn it. <laughs> Well, the problem is the back of the head is exactly the hairdo of my wife's dead mother. <laughs> so every time she would walk in the door, there was this horrible scream that came from her every fucking time. She knew what it was; it would just surprise her every time you did this. Every time she walked in the door,
1: so yeah. You know, there so, was something. There was something else that I wanted to bring up about the the effects. Um, when I was working on Nightmare on Elm Street 3, there was yeah. a guy that that did all my moldings, and, and, and he did all my skeletons, right? And he worked with another guy uh, that was a carpenter uh, on the crew. And the two of them, the two of them went off that, you know, just as we started filming, <laughs> he comes into my desk one day and he says, hey, listen, I want to set up, I, I, I want to. There's this show called Lycanthrope, a a werewolf show. He says, I I don't know how to do effects, really. I've done some things with you, and and you're really good at it. He says, "Uh, is there any way? And I go, oh, I got it. Here's what we'll do. I'll recommend you for the job, and you get the job as coordinator, and then we'll go out and, and we'll get one of those fancy cell phones you know, this is way back in the day. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, it's like a thousand dollars or something like that, but we put the thousand dollars down and, uh, he had the, it was, uh, he would go by back and he would call me and I had the cell phone and he would call me, uh, in a meeting. And, and I say, well, what do I say in the meeting? was, look, all you do is you, you, you just go, you know what? I, I'm going to have to think about that. If you don't, if you don't know, and uh through the whole show, I would get a call from him as he would, you know, be going to the bathroom or something <laughs> as before he <laughs> went back into the meeting to to ask how to do something, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the carpenter that helped him out, his name was Charlie Nelly, And that carpenter w- was Tom Bellissimo. Yes,
3: now-
1: I oh. <laughs> oh. Bellissimo. Oh, there you go.
2: See? Love him. Love him. <laughs> by the way, by the way, my favorite thing about Tom Bellissimo. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. Uh, he I saw his name was on on some paperwork that I had in my office mm-hmm. and I looked at his address. And while I will not give the the street number. Yeah. The name of the street at the time that he lived on when we were doing Jason Goes to Hell was Pink Pansy Lane. Right, right. Yeah, he's And I there. said, and I was like, and I would say to Tom, I'm like, hey, hey, Bellissimo, you live over
1: a Pink Pansy Lane. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing, Bellissimo, Bellissimo is is. Oh, he's the best. He's the swaggering t- Italian guy. You know? Yes, he really yeah, is, and he's got yeah. this. He's got this really crooked smile. You, mm-hmm. you know, he's like this devilish, he's devilishly handsome kind of Italian guy. Yes. That, yeah. that's got that, But his mouth was put on like at about six degrees off, right? Yes. You know? yep. and, and he does this weird, crooked smile. That uh, oh, I, I got to tell you that we were the best of friends, man. You know? He's awesome. awesome and, and so weird. I I started him out on his way, and that's I, I I happened to see him in the in the credits. Oh yeah. Uh, and I was like, Oh wow. It's a, uh, it's the team.
2: He so, he's yeah. He was, he was incredible. That, that whole team was incredible. No, yeah. I, I, I had an amazing crew. My crew was spectacular.
1: Well, I mean, you had Kurtzman and 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 Kurt. Oh fuck. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I had a, I, I had a conversation with Kurtzman in New Zealand once. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was, I was sitting there with Robert Kurtzman and, and, um, uh, I can't think the the name of uh, Peter Jackson's uh, main effects guy, Robert Taylor okay. uh, Robert Taylor uh Peter Jackson and two of the k and b boys uh-huh. uh Kurtzman was one of them and I think it was Howard was the other was Howard and, Burger, yeah that makes sense yeah yeah. yeah yeah and we were in we were in New Zealand doing Hercules yeah. and um everybody had flown in together because we were trying to work out how to work uh uh, how to work uh, early um, CGI in with practical effects. And it was, right. it was very, be- very difficult at the beginning. And I have lots of stories about that. But the thing is, is for some reason I, I'm there and we're talking and we're trying to go through it. And we started around the table talking about uh, a head twisting all the way around <laughs> because everybody had had to do it at some point. Right.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: You know, some movies and, uh, and, and so, <laughs> it's, it got to be kind of a heated discussion. And all of a sudden I had like, you, you ever had those like out of outer bo- out of body moments, you know, when mm-hmm. all of a sudden you realize that all of a sudden I, I feel like I'm up above this sandwich shop. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm looking down at, you know, us sitting, having this discussion and, and everybody is, is at one point or another grabbing the chin and, and neck and go go like this. And then it's a cut there. And, 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 it was fucking hilarious. Uh, just, just, just because then I realized that everybody that's sitting around us is listening to, the, to this. Exactly.
3: Exactly. <laughs> yes.
2: Yep. So, it's, like, so it, it's literally like every meal I have in my life is, right. is, is that is, is, is that is a microcosm of every single thing that I've ever done. Um, I'm always talking about shit that people around me are looking at me like,
1: what? Oh yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and well, I told, I, I, I tell my wife, I'm like,
2: no one should ever, if, if anyone ever looks at my Google history, I will be in prison the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I like, there's no way around it. Just exactly. what we it's do. Just it's
1: gone. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Oh, yep. absolutely. I mean, I've, I've often said that, you know, if, if you wrote down all the things that I say, Oh, forget uh, about it. Forget reading about it. it, reading it. Oh, you just. Yep. I, I'd be a dead man. I, I, I would never get. <laughs> out, I, 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 I would never get out of
0: chains. <laughs> <laughs> so TJ, yes, let's go. Come on, man. Mick, what do you think of Creighton Duke? Creighton Duke. What the hell are you talking about? The bounty hunter and Jason goes to hell.
1: Oh, cr- oh, I love Creighton. I love the character.
0: <laughs>
1: I, 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 I I love the character, especially as he's about ready to hand the baby back, you, you know, right? for some reason that is not it, it isn't expected, uh-huh. you know, and and it's uh, the thing is, is here, here's the thing that I really like about um, about just about everything that I every movie that I love going into a horror film and trying to find the good heart in it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, because th- that that's that that oh uh, you, you know what I'm saying I mean yeah totally dude uh, there's, there, you're, you're look, looking for that
2: the shame the shame of it first thing on the Creighton Duke thing on that moment in particular um before he hands that baby back to her there is a monologue that literally no one has ever seen ever oh. um oh no one we shot it we shot it. It, it, it exists. Um, Creighton Duke had his full monologue about why he he's been after Jason all these years. Ah, um, right. Um, it's right there because he says, you just give me two minutes. And every time we want every time the, my writing partner at the time, D. Laurie, and I watched the movie, every time he says, you give me two minutes, we always say. And we'll give you the world every time we finish that line. <laughs> well, but it's because right there, when he says you give me two minutes, there is a two minute monologue. And oh, then he hands her gotcha. back the baby. Right. In the cut, in the cut as it is, he goes, you give me two minutes and he hands her the baby. And I'm like, but, but it's how does per- that make any fucking sense, dude? No, no, I it's, know. It's yes. perfect, though. You know, it's by the way, it was still there, it was still there. That moment was still there, but it was preceded by a monologue that made you love Creighton uh, even more so. Oh, because, okay. because it talked about the tragedy of his life and why he is who he is. It, gotcha. it, it was so good, and truly, it was one of those things, truly cut for time. The other thing, the other thing that was that that was, um of uh, an emotional moment in the movie. And it's actually one of my favorite moments in the whole film. Right. Uh, and, and th- there's a guy in the movie named Adam Craner. He plays Ward, the son of the diner couple, the short order cook.
1: Right, right. Okay. The big guy. And, yeah, the big guy,
2: Adam yeah. and I had been childhood friends since we were about eight. Um, and uh, he's a brilliant actor, and he and I had worked theater together for forever. And so he was a member of my company back then. And I, I and I we wrote the the role of Ward for Adam Craner. So he was he was the only actor that was actually written for, other than Kane Hodder. Uh, yeah, and great. right so there's the scene when uh John LeMay goes into the back of the diner and he f- and he sees his baby for the first time of course lovingly put into a del monte green bean uh uh <laughs> right um, yeah. at, you, the way you treat a baby the um, way you do you could totally tell that every person behind this movie as far as production was concerned uh was either not a father or Sean Cunningham because that's the way children were treated. <laughs> so, so cause Sean, let's put it this way: Sean never walked in the back of the the, the 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 set, and he was there. He never went. You're going to put the baby in a box. I think he <laughs> might have even picked out the box we put the baby in. No joke.
1: <laughs> there you go.
2: There you go. So, and that is literally you can literally you could just have that moment be the Sean Cunningham story and Sid. Well, but. You, w- Go ahead. So there's so this moment is John May sees his baby for the first time and Ward walks in on it. And because we had cut so much of the character stuff out of the movie, you didn't know that there was this really great relationship between these two guys, mm-hmm. that they were friends. But right. in that one 30 second scene, he says, you know, it's the first time I've ever seen my baby. Right. Yeah. He says to this guy and the, and, and Ward kind of looks at him. And he pulls his keys out of his pocket and throws him the keys and right. says, get out, oh, get out of here.
1: Just get out of here. Right. Yeah. You establish their
2: entire relationship in that one moment. Right. For me, that is like that is the bromance moment of the movie. It's so sweethearted. There's such a kindness in that moment. Yeah, I love I really do love that scene. I'm like, that scene is
1: no, says no, 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 more it's, about a director
2: than anything else in the movie. It,
1: it actually stood out. It, it it really yeah. did. It, yeah. I to, one thing that always piques my filmmakers, you know, thing is, is when, when you're watching a bit of the story that moves along, that is almost dialogue free, mm-hmm. you yes. know, that, that because, uh, because, you know, films are just traditionally over. O- overwritten. I. I mean, you know, the thing is, is yeah, I, yeah. how many times have you s- seen a script that, th- th- where the guy goes over to pick up a box and then says something about the box as he's picking it up? Right. You're like, exactly. You're, you're like that is death. That is motion yes. picture death right there. Totally agree. And, totally. And agree. yet it happens all the time. And yeah. you don't want to. The thing is, is picking up a box picking up a box and looking at it and stuff and being talking about something else maybe or well, because but,
2: but you know why and here's what it comes down to because and I, and I think that's happened more and more and more as time progresses and there's one very specific reason for it directors now especially ones that come out of film school and I know this because I went to NYU
1: directing is oh, all about I to NYU sorry sorry <laughs>
2: Oh, no, 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 no. I'm totally bragging almost as much as you sitting in the Hyundai. Um, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. OK, um, I, I uh, no, no. Here's, here's the thing. And this is really true. I, I find that more and more directing has nothing to do with acting. Directing is all about the fucking camera. And it our direct yeah. our directors have all turned into D.P.'s. That's not your fucking job. It's not your job. Um, yes, you know, you gotta know your lenses. Yes, you need to know your framing. I always love when someone says the DP does the framing. I'm like, in what in what alternate universe? That's not <laughs> what are you insane? <laughs> the director does the goddamn framing. That's why you do storyboards. What? But the 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 Michael Baying of of directors mm-hmm. has turned directors into cinematic artists rather than being storytellers that work with with actors. Right. Actors right. are actually your oil paint that you use to, to, to fill the canvas. And here's the thing. A director that knows what an actor can do, a dire- a director who knows that cuts dialogue all the time, spends all day oh, absolutely. shredding dialogue. Absolutely.
1: Because you go, no, the actor's going to say that with their eyes. You don't need that best, line. Look, you know what? There, there I, I'll tell you something. I worked on a show with Sam Neill. Uh-huh. And- oh. And oh. and literally I'm not kidding. I thought the script continuity woman was going to hang herself because he he and it was a really dialoguing script, you know. Right. And and, right. and he every time he said every time that he did a scene, he shortened it. And he yep. short, he shortened the dialogue. Yep. And he and he and he like replace it with something. Right. And it just kept going and going and going till, uh, uh, until it got to the point to where, you know, uh, she would say, she would say things like, she, did we get that? And she'd say, well, you'll have to tell me. <laughs> right, right. By the way, by the way, if you look at if you look at a movie like Dead Calm,
2: what a perfect example of Sam Neil. Oh, he absolutely. barely speaks in the movie. He barely has one line dialogue. You know everything he's going through. You understand his entire character.
1: He barely speaks. Absolutely, and that's and, a real actor. And the thing is, is it's it, it wasn't the director in this case because the director mm-hmm. just wanted to. Um, uh, was just making sure that the locations were close to his favorite sh- uh, sushi places. Well, sure, which, which is a whole story. I mean, you know, well, I've, dude,
2: that is, I mean, I'm sorry, that's also in the DGA. Context.
1: Well, that's, that's
2: true. That's, I mean, if you're a Los Angeles director, yeah, all right, location, right. all locations,
1: no so, location can
2: a, be more than a, a mile and a half away from your favorite sushi place. Two,
1: direct, two directors over the years, and both of them, oddly enough, did TV movies. Two directors over the years actually did hand me, um, uh, uh, a stack of of um, um, takeout menus. Takeout menus, uh-huh. Take out menus uh-huh. Uh-huh. that uh-huh. that were related to the shows that they wanted to be net within walking distance of. Well, uh, yeah. so you know <laughs> because. <laughs> I, I am not kidding. I, I I wish that I was, but I'm, I'm not kidding. You know, he would say, you know what? You know that downtown, uh, that downtown, we're gonna be ha- have to be by Alfredo's or something like that, or you. know, or, Could it's you get me? Could you get me over to the uh uh oh that diner? Remember the diner on? Uh, Dude, you know it's incredible. I drop and
2: every every film that I've made, I drop at least 15 pounds during production because I don't eat. Because I don't, I I don't want to even think about eating. I don't want to think about what the fuck I'm putting in my face. I want to just be shooting. I just want to be completely focused. I never understand directors that are like that. I never understand it. God bless them. Some of them are geniuses, and that's how they work. <laughs> but for me, man, I'm like I like no distractions. These guys I don't care. I don't want to know. If, yeah, I'm telling you.
1: But but these guys were. I remember they were both A-list. Um, yeah, they, they, they were guys. The A-list TV guys. Right. Yeah, and, yep. and and there's a reason why uh, movies are for your soul and TV buys your house. Absolutely. That's, that's, absolutely. That's it's a job.
2: It's, it's a, a job. job. And you want you want your and you want your meal. I get that, it. I totally get
1: it. it is. You totally get it. You know, I mean, it's it, it's like it's a thing. And having yep. having worked in between the two of them, it's funny the differences uh, the differences can get a little stark after a while because sure, the, sure. the other thing is is this is if if you're working episodic for instance yeah uh the producer is the one that absolutely has the creative uh yeah you're 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 just cog in the wheel you know i mean well, you're, you're 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 the guest star you're you're yeah. the guest, star. You're, you're that's the all guest you are. star that's that's all you are and so you might as well get a damn good lunch <laughs> absolutely that i can understand Then i understand so <laughs> on a getting... movie
2: on a movie literally I, i'm telling you uh I'm, I'm going way too personal now but what the fuck <laughs> um uh, dude <laughs> I will tell you, I will, I will be in a movie and my, and my wife is like, so, uh, are we ever going to have sex again? I'm like, hey, shoot, <laughs> yeah, yeah, shoot, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. My, the, I'm, I, so I, fo- I'm so, I'm so hyper focused. Like I'm like, I, I literally, I think of it like as a boxer, like sure? I, I, need I, I need my legs. I need my legs,
1: honey. I, I used to say this. I, I used to say that the, the most, uh. The number one lie that I told in my life was, honey, I'll be home in an hour. Yes. (laughs) Seriously. That almost 100% guaranteed that I wasn't going to be home in an hour. Absolutely. You got to
2: tack four hours onto that.
1: That's right. <laughs> One yep. hour means four. Exactly.
2: Yeah. You know? yep. I, well, I
1: think the good news is I make
2: every every movie I make, I make with my wife. So my wife is always there, which uh, is amazing. Oh
1: well yeah. amazing. The my best. wife my wife hates this business.
2: Oh no. My my so. wife is my wife is my writing partner, my producing partner. And and I'm telling you, she is she is with me all the time. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> By the way, thank God for so many more reasons now. Mm-hmm. Because I look I look at our industry now as like, listen, I have never not once misbehaved. I've never done it because I literally I, I married my wife, uh, or I've been with my wife since I was uh, since I was 24. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and she's been with me literally. I, I think the longest we've ever been apart is about three days. And uh, but I'm telling you, in this world of like, you know, stuff can get said about anybody not about no. me because yeah. <laughs> I'm literally I'm like I'm like a gynecologist who has a nurse with him at, at every at, at every moment. oh like, well I, yeah. I literally I mean even scenes that are like you know when I have to shoot a love scene or have to shoot something like that I have always my wife right by my side I'm like thank goodness for this it just <laughs> makes me feel more honestly it makes me feel more yeah, easy I, I got do my job
1: well well listen h- how long have you been married?
2: Uh, we have been together now for 27
1: years this year. Okay. I've been with my wife for 36 years. Nice. nicely and, done, and, sir. And in this business, in this business, <laughs> you know, you know how hard that is. I mean, you know, the you thing do. is, yes, this business is, is not, it is not for, uh, it, it, it is not for, it doesn't think of couples and, no. and it used to be so much worse than it is now. I mean, Oh my God. It's, I mean, particularly in the, uh, in like the union, regular running of oh, things. Sure. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, uh, I, I mean, I just did my first volunteer film where, uh, I, I mean, uh, vengeance, uh, Friday the 13th vengeance yeah, was, yeah, the yeah. First mm-hmm. th- and, and I had to get used to people being on the set without getting paid. And, and, and literally I, I found that incredibly, um, what was it? it, it just made me feel uneasy for a while. <laughs> right. Right. How do I tell, how do I tell somebody what to do if they're not getting, if they're paid? Not getting paid, but then, yeah. but, but then, you know what I realized? Mm-hmm. I'm not. Getting paid either, <laughs> exactly,
2: exactly, exactly.
1: So, so that's right. Yeah, that's the first time that I've ever done that, and I and I have to say that that um, the whole idea of working on a film for sport, um, yes, uh, is it, it it was weird because you know I got to tell you something. Back in the day, it was kind of dangerous working on films. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a. Uh, uh, a walk in the park i mean film no. films were long sets were dangerous you know you worked long hours and yeah. uh uh set, being on set was a, a tricky dangerous thing i mean there was uh-huh. lots of lots of things to hurt you and stuff like yeah. that and yeah. people got punchy and and you know really long hours and you were just always just barely on the edge of being legal anyway mm-hmm.
2: yep yeah. No, it's true, dude. I, but I will tell you this, um, you know, uh, the 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 um, the last film that I directed is this movie called Secret Santa. Um, and it is by far, truly by far my my proudest moment. It's my it's my favorite film that I've made. Oh, cool. And it's part of our new company, which we have three divisions. And one of the divisions is an ultra low division, where um, it, it's kind of the Roger Corman school of filmmaking, where it's like, oh. look, you're going to have very little money, but you're going to make your movie. You're going to make the movie you want to make. You just exactly. have to make it within these within these parameters. parameters so right. on. The, so I did the first one out of the gate, right? I did the first one just to prove that we could do it at this kind of ridiculously low budget. Right. So I'm working with my troop of actors who are, you know, they're they're I I I, I teach sixty actors a week. I have for the last twenty five years. And uh, a lot of these actors have been with me for 20 years. So I've got this incredible group and they're all professional. They're all mm-hmm. working actors. Um, but they're my they're my troop. So there I am with uh, I had 13 people on set for the almost the entire shoot. There's 25 actors in the whole movie, but 13 people in almost every scene. And um, and they were all being deferred. Right. In order for this movie to get made at the kind of budget right. we were trying to do it at. Right. Everybody's deferred. And so we're shooting the movie. Bob Kurtzman comes on to do all the effects in the movie. So Bob does all of our effects. And I said to Bob, <laughs> I said, because I told him, I said, I have no money. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, no, 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 you're not getting it. I have <laughs> not zero no money, money. No money. I have no money. <laughs> right. He's like, I totally get it. He said, let me read the script. He reads the script. And he's like, dude, I'm in. Just get me there. Just get me to the set. Get my assistant there. Put us up, put us up in in whatever housing you're putting everybody else up in and I will do the movie, like done deal. So Bob comes on and then I said, listen, how do you feel about shooting second camera? And he was like, dude, I feel like I got to pay you money now. He's like, (laughs) what are you kidding? I'd love to. So he comes on, he's doing the effects, he's shooting second camera. Here's what happens. We're about six days into an 11 day shoot, right? We shoot the whole movie in 11 days. We're six days in. And again, mind you, Thirteen people in almost every scene, so I'm covering thirteen people for eleven days. Yeah, mm-hmm. difficult. So Bob, uh, so so Bob, Bob stops me. Uh, the, everything was night shoots. The whole movie takes place at night, and uh, so it's it's about you know six o'clock in the morning. Every, we've just wrapped. Everybody's heading off to their bedrooms, and Bob Bob stops me in the hallway, and he says, uh, "Hey." Uh, I said, yeah, what's up? He goes, I I just wanted to say thank you. And I said, what, dude, what are you kidding me? No, thank you. He's like, no, 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 you don't know what I mean. This is, um, this is the first time in like 10 years that I feel like a filmmaker.
1: Wow. Oh yeah. I was like, what? He's (laughs)
2: like, he's like, yeah, just, uh, thanks for reminding me why I got into this and what this is really about, because uh, I, I kind of want to do this every day. And the guy had tears in his eyes, and he hugged me. And you know Bob. Not a yeah, hug. He, yeah, he's not, he's not, not Bob. He, he,
1: no, he's he got he's a, so
2: emotional. Kind of a loose, loose, so, a loose
1: person, yeah. Yes,
2: he's... Well, he's actually just quiet, but he's got this gruff kind yeah. of thing about him. Right, yeah. And, and I'm telling you, it was like... I, it was one of those moments that that for me solidified like this is the way it was supposed to be <laughs> like it is supposed to be a little dangerous. It is supposed to be like it's like this little team, uh, like like
1: you're 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 part of a platoon trying to take a hill. Oh, right. Absolutely. I mean, I mean and, that's it's, yeah. it's it's the thing is, is this is it's it's always the, the, always you, you you line up us against them a little bit. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and, and them. I, I, I mean, it's even if you all get together, I mean, it's like it can be production against our department or, da, 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 yeah. da, or you're yeah. playing this game, you know, yeah. that is kind of us against them. And. Yep. And, you know, it, what's what's like on Nightmare on the Street For it was us against them was us against everybody trying to trying to get yes, it done. You know, sure, that kind sure. of thing. Um And and yeah, it's it it breeds because it's so much more important than working at Seven Eleven. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what? Honestly, here's the thing.
2: What I don't understand and I I really don't. And it's why it's why we created this company, because after Texas Chainsaw in particular, it got to a point where I was going, if this isn't going to be fun,
1: there's a lot.
2: There's much easier ways to make money.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Money's
2: not money's not hard. Everybody likes to think money's hard. Money's not hard it's money in our industry is hard because oh my god yeah right (laughs) but but here's the thing it's like if you're going to be a filmmaker and it's not it's not the best time of your life every time you get behind the camera
1: then i don't understand why do it why do it you know that's that that was what i always said that that you know i would wind up getting people that work in my departments and stuff that would be making much more money than i was yeah because they would make they would have made uh you know time deals you know like your production right. designer would would sign on for like you know uh between 18 and and maybe up to like five thousand dollars a week or something right but but you know uh in overtime you'd have people that were making much better money than you and stuff and and the the thing is is i always told people i said you know here's the problem problem is is this is that a producer. Any producer that's really good that looked me in the eye would know that I would have been here for. So it's hard to make a great deal <laughs> when when yeah. when you, you just give off this vibe that says, yeah, I mean, because I was, always was so enthusiastic that I would be before I would make my deal, I would be solving your problems. Right. Right. You know, oh, we need to do this, this, and this, this, this way. And I've always been, I've always been that way. This is, this is like the uh, film is, 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 and has always been the most important thing in my life. It really is. Totally agree with you. Totally agree, dude. I'm exactly the same way. just there, just
0: there. So, hey, TJ. Yes. So, what what time is it? It is almost time to end this episode, and we're going to end, Adam, talk about- the documentary, <laughs>
3: uh,
2: so here's the thing about the documentary, and and it's um, it's kind of the crux of why why I wanted to get involved with it. Look, like we've talked about in this episode ad nauseum, um, I, I have been beaten up for a quarter of a century over this movie now, um, and happy to be so, by the way, because again. You know, this is a movie that people still talk about, which is mm-hmm. extraordinary to me. I'm
1: by, still. By the it, way, can, can I can I break in just for one second? Yeah, because, yeah, dude, uh, please. For one thing, I was just being funny about the hidden, but but I bet you did get a lot of crap for that. But oh yeah, especially being says I worked on the hidden and I was oh, the production yeah. designer for it. Yeah, but and, and I love the movie. <laughs> but 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 let me say, I I did not hate the movie. I did not hate this movie. I liked it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I like the the sweet moments that you put in and I caught I caught the sweet moments and and, um, you know, I'm there for you. I'm there for you, man. I'm on your side. Thank
2: you, brother. Thank you. Well, here's the thing. There is a uh, kind of a growing army of people that have either rediscovered the movie, or a lot of younger people who actually just discovered the movie and who didn't start with part one and didn't go through them in, in order, but just saw this movie called Jason Goes to Hell and went, holy shit, I love this. And so the movie is getting this kind of wonderful fan base um, over time. It's become kind of this, this, this other thing. And uh, and look, by the way, and I'm not against anybody who hates the movie. If you hate the movie because I blew up Jason and I got rid of your hockey mask, I totally understand. God bless. <laughs> cool. I get it. I totally get it. If the fact that I didn't spell the name Voorhees on the on the signage when I painted it at two in the morning after I finished my directing shift, um, if uh, if if that's what bothered you, I totally understand. I get it. Um, here's the thing. The hatred of the movie Alongside this kind of beautiful fandom, these two things have created a, an environment that has kept this thing alive mm-hmm. so tremendously over the years that when when we went to go make a documentary, I, I was brought the idea of a documentary from from a couple of young guys who wanted who wanted just wanted to make a movie about the movie. And I said, that's all well and good, guys, but I have no interest in being part of some behind the scenes thing that you would put on a on a DVD extra like I, I don't want to do that. I said, if you want me involved, here's the thing. Um, There has to be a a compelling story to tell. And the truth is, there is a compelling story to tell. The the story is, who the hell would let a 23-year-old film school student have the keys to the, the absolute most successful horror franchise in the history of filmmaking? Who would do that at that time? Who the hell would do that? That's a you'd have to be insane. Not only that, (laughs) but then the the orders are make sure it's not like any of the other movies, and get rid of that fucking hockey mask, (laughs) walking onto the battlefield. So again, uh, you look at 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 all of the pieces that came together to make this movie happen. And and there is something compelling, and there is so much behind the scenes drama, and so much sort of tales of of intrigue that surround this thing. And at the center of it is this guy, Sean Cunningham, who produced the first movie, had literally nothing to do with the other eight films because he or the other seven films that that came after it because he hated Jason Voorhees. He's he hated that there were movies made about Jason Voorhees. He's he wanted to make a series of movies. Much like John Carpenter wanted to make movies about Halloween, not about Michael Myers, but about the holiday Halloween, Sean Cunningham wanted to make movies about horrible tales that happened on Friday the 13th. That's what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And the studio went, no, we want a wrestler. We want wrestling pictures. And right. God bless them, that's what they made. And they made a, they, they turned it into an industry. So here's the thing, that guy shows up, by the way, Sean hated Sackhead Jason. And he really hated the hockey mask and he's on record all over the place. How much he hated that hockey mask. So (laughs) I get the job. The only rule I'm given is if you can, if you can get fucking hockey mask out of the movie, I'll let you write and direct it. That's literally the first words out of his mouth. (laughs) And I was 21 when he told me to do that. So I went off and did it. Now, here's the thing. If you start from that premise And now you see Sean going to conventions so that he can make a buck off of these fans, off off of these fans that love Jason Voorhees, a character that Sean Cunningham despises. I mean, you can think of Sean as the man behind the iron mask, Mm -hmm. but it's a hockey mask. It's an iron (laughs) hockey mask. That is what he is wearing his whole life, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And he now says, I'm the guy who got rid of the mask. So I go, oh, oh OK, so so wait, so a 21 year old overpowered the 50, 53 <laughs> year old Sean Cunningham. That's how this works. I'm so powerful. So
1: yeah, you are. There is
2: there is this incredible conflict in the middle of all of this to get this movie to, mm-hmm. to get made. And then and then and and by the way, be the most successful uh most successful video that New Line had ever put out, up to that point. It's the most successful piece of home entertainment they'd ever de- ever delivered.
1: Um, Other than did, Nightmare on the Street Four.
2: Well, uh, actually, no. What happened was Jason Goes to Hell is the is the first movie that New Line released in two versions at the same time. That's why oh. it was so successful. Um, because they released an unrated and a, and a rated version. And so every mom and pop shop, instead of buying one, had to buy two.
3: Mm.
2: <laughs> they doubled their money. It was genius. And by the way, I was told to shoot stuff that would that the MPAA would cut out of the movie. I was literally told to do it. I was told, make this so gory and horrific that we can have two versions of the movie. I was like, okay, okay, (laughs) whatever you want.
1: (gasps) Okay. Funny enough,
2: (laughs) funny enough in Germany, they only released the unwritten. Um, (laughs) Of course. uh, So so here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, Once I knew that there was a story to tell, um, I went off, I got Edwin Samuelson, who by the way, ironically, has made a career out of shooting mostly the behind the scenes docs that you get on these little, these, you know, on a DVD extra. Mm -hmm. But he, he's one of those guys who so desperately wants to tell a real story and a, and a dirty story and stuff with conflict. And I know this about Edwin. So I was like, absolutely. I get Peter Brackey on board, who is the library of Alexandria of the Friday 13th franchise. If he burns down, we lose all knowledge of the Friday 13th franchise. (laughs) Um, I get these two guys to spearhead this thing. And what I told them flat out, I said, guys, I don't want a puff piece. If somebody wants to say a shitty thing about me, God bless. Let's do it. I said, I am cool. Anyone wants to say something negative. I'm great. We're even going to have a section of the movie where, where fans get to the people who hate the movie are going to talk about how much they hate the movie. Great. I'm so psyched. Like I'm (laughs) cool with all of that because again, on the on the night that Jason Goes to Hell came out, it's my favorite story about this. On the night that the movie came out, I had seen the movie so many fucking times at that point. I was like, "Please, I just can't watch it one more time." So I walked into the theater. I paid my money for Jason Goes to Hell, so we would get the we would get the ten bucks. And I went in to see searching for Bobby Fisher, which is right next to me. <laughs> okay? Now, searching for Bobby Fischer is Steve Zellian, you know, Academy Award winning writer of Schindler's List um he's a, a terrible genius. movie right yeah, terrible there movie. you go it uh, was a terrible movie oh god here's the thing Joan, Joan allen sir ben kingsley joe montagna the movie got got incredible reviews at the time right i mean i was like i want to go see this movie now here's the thing okay if you ask anybody about the movie searching for robbie fisher they look at you like what yes you say you say jason goes to hell they go oh yeah no i saw that (laughs) i've seen it (laughs) like six times i'm like okay there there you go like an academy award bait movie came out on the same night as jason goes to hell and no one remembers the academy award bait movie with top stars in it and the writer of schindler's list but they all remember jason goes to hell
1: this is and yeah, yeah. This is what I say about my career all the way through. You know. Yeah. Uh, dude, yeah. I look night, back. Nightmare, Nightmare,
2: three, Nightmare three is one of my favorites. By the way, I'm just going to throw that out there. It's nah. fucking genius, dude. Well, genius. Thank you. Thank you. I love uh, that film. Love it.
1: The, 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 the weird thing is, is, is that uh, I mean, up five years ago, uh, I, I was still working uh, around Hollywood doing uh, fixing, still fixing films and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I got out. Uh, you know, I kind of retired and just took off and um my sister died and, and oh, i had dude, to I, I, she died in a plane accident and i had to <sighs> pull everything anyway it just i just so i just moved out of out of the area and uh and i'm and i get this facebook account and i was like like um i looked up and i said well i wonder i wonder you know if anybody Still remembers like kind of who I am or anything, and I said, "Well, I put my name in," and and and, and I literally. So this guy goes, "Wow, you're, you're Mick Strong. You you production designed this and and they went this and this and this and this and this and I said, "Yeah, why?" And and she, "Oh, th- this is amazing." And I and I literally ran into the. I swear to God, this is. not, I'm not making this up. I ran ran into the other room. I showed my wife my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Going, <laughs> look at that. This guy knows me. This guy
3: yep. has <laughs> heard of yep. me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cut to five years later, you know, I'm almost back in the game just because of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. All, all those horror films, all, all that stuff yep. that, that I did, you know, that at the time, and, and you have to know, and you were there with me, right? Um, at the time, we were the lowest possible form of uh, li- oh. Uh, um, oh yeah. of life on Earth. Yes, we were we were we were literally porn without
0: the respect. <laughs> I was just about to say that you guys were just a, yeah. a, a hair above porn. <laughs> yeah, that's mean, we
2: really we really weren't. I'm telling you, I think people had more respect no, for porn. No.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not kidding. I'm I'm telling you. I, I used to tell people that that you know back then we we were right we were right above porn and right below Hollywood lawyers. Yes. <laughs>
3: yes.
1: Yes, that was that was that was the, our little strata in there. And, and the thing is, is once you did two of them, you're doomed. You, yes, once you you were, that's of, it. That's all you were going to do. So you might as well get used to it or you better yep. love it. Yep. Yeah, totally. Totally the way
0: it was. Well, sure. guys, I think that this is rabbit hole. Th- that was quite the rabbit hole. I love it. <laughs> I love it, guys. It's awesome. Well, guys, awesome. this is your host with the most T.J. Bowser signing off.
3: I'm a man on a mission I don't need your fucking permission No, the fuck you hating for Oh, oh, oh See, I found out a long time ago That if you let somebody else control your life That's how you lose your soul, lose your soul Yeah, so fuck your assumption I don't really care about the function No, I'd rather be alone I swear I'm so damn tired of the dumb shit Feel like everybody had jump shit Right before I was about to pull But now I'm on, yeah i And I ain't picking up my phone If they wanna hear from me though But I ain't spending time cause it's time I don't have And I ain't got no cash, no cash I'm in the studio now with a fucked up back And you want me to go and get a job, fuck that I'ma bounce right back, I'ma bounce right back Man, this that slap me anywhere where they puff puff past I don't really care if you're white, black, brown Motherfucker, we smoking down This is for my real motherfuckers in the hood Until my folks back home in the south What's good, we gon' treat this shit like a celebration You know they thought that I'd never make no. it See, I found out a long time ago That if you let somebody else control your life That's how you lose your soul, lose your soul